Yeah, thank you for tuning in. It's more than a podcast. Inexhaustible episodes, God's vast. Glorify him as we broadcast the Lord's grace and God's wrath. More serious than a bomb blast. Full disclosure inside the title. No surprises, simply put, guys with Bibles, yeah. Just some regular reborn reformed cats If it's in the Bible then they're gonna speak on that Cause the scripture is the final word okay. Competing ideas quite absurd Of this you can be quite assured <laughs> yeah. We were lost in the darkness of night immersed in sin But then the, the light, light emerged. emerged It was the Son of God, divine Christ that shines light The word in Genesis that assigned life in hindsight And was revealed through the prophets and apostles We magnify and expound on the power of the gospel Yeah, yeah and welcome to Guys with Bibles. I'm Lee, and I hope you're ready for some more theophany action, because that's all I've got. <laughs> we're going to, uh, we're going back to Exodus now, Exodus chapter 19, and we're going to look at a particular theophany uh, that is uh, very frightening, I think, uh, at least in the way that I conceive of it when when I read the story and picture what's going on. I find it to be very uh, scary, very dramatic. Uh, Exodus 19, verses 18 to 25. So this is where Yahweh descends on Mount Sinai before giving the law to Moses. Now, Mount Sinai was all in smoke, Because the Lord descended upon it in fire, and its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked violently. When the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him with thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Go down, warn the people, so that they do not break through to the Lord to gaze, and many of them perish. Also let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves, or else the Lord will break out against them. Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you warned us, saying, Set bounds about the mountain and consecrate it. Then the Lord said to him, Go down and come up again, you and Aaron with you, but do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, or he will break forth upon them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. This ends the reading. So as it says the uh, in the in the passage previous to this uh, event, uh, commandments had already been given to Moses about how the people are to act around the mountain. In verse ten, it says, "Go, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Let them wash their garments and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people." Uh, and that's that's verse eleven. And they so they put boundaries around the whole mountain. Don't touch it. Uh, don't touch the border of it. You'll be put to get to death. Uh, you'll be put to death if you touch the mountain. No hands. Um, but they were to wait to hear a ram's horn sound a long blast, and that was when they were supposed to come to the mountain. And and there is a a trumpet blast, but it's called a trumpet here, but it's the same thing. It's a shofar. It's a ram's horn, um, the sound of a ram's horn. 
So, like I said, this is a very, um, for lack of a better word, this is a scary event. This is a, a very supernatural event. Um, this is not something that would normally happen where fire descends onto a mountain and then smoke goes up and then you hear the sound of a horn that nobody's blowing. Uh, it's it's not that far off from seeing a bush that's burning but isn't actually being consumed. Um, and so I, I there's a there's a connection here between the burning bush and this fire on the mountain. And it's because between these two things, fire is a signifier of God's presence. So God appeared in the bush, uh, in, in a flaming bush. He was in the midst of that fire that didn't burn up the bush. And here, uh, he's in the midst of a fire that descends on a mountain it doesn't come out from a mountain. You know, Mount Sinai isn't a volcano. This isn't fire that's coming up out of the mountain. This is fire that's coming down onto the mountain, and smoke is going up from it. So we have this this mountain, uh, an extraordinary mountain. You know, it's not some little molehill in the middle of the desert. It's a mountain, and now it's, it's being kind of uh, covered in smoke, uh, the, like the smoke of a furnace. So this isn't just wisps of smoke. This is some significant smoke. So it's noticeable. People, The people were expecting to see something, and definitely this was no subtle sign. Uh, God was making a point here. He's wrapping up this, this mountain in smoke. Um, and of course, this wouldn't be the first time in scripture, or I'm sorry, this won't be the last time in scripture that smoke, especially smoke uh, around a mountain, would be used uh, as as imagery. There's two references just in Psalms alone uh, about smoke when it comes to God's presence. Um, Psalm 104, verse 32, Let the glory of the Lord endure forever. Let the Lord be glad in his works. He looks at the earth and it trembles. He touches the mountains and they smoke. And then also in 144, verse 5, Bow your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains that they may smoke. So there's a connection here between mountains, smoke, and God's presence. Uh, and that's just two examples. There, there are others uh, that specifically have to do with mountains and uh, and God's presence um, being signaled uh, by the presence of smoke and or fire. So we have that we have that in common. God's not being subtle about this. He's descending on this mountain. There's business that he is attending to. He's going to be delivering the law to Moses, and so he's he's set rules. The people need to hang back until they hear the sound of the trumpet and then come up to the mountain. And then he's going to call Moses up and people need to people need to hang back. Don't touch the mountain. Um, and so let's, let's look at this trumpet bit a little bit. That's in verse 19. When the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him with thunder. So this, this trumpet, this ram's horn, as it's referred to earlier in 19, that's called the sh- a shofar, which is basically a ram's horn that's turned into an instrument. 
and the the shofar, the trumpet, the horn, whatever you want to call it, and it's called multiple ways throughout the Bible. It's generally associated with victory. Um, you can think of probably the most famous example of the ram's horn in Scripture is where um, the Israelites are walking around the walls of Jericho, and they don't have they're not carrying weapons. You know, they don't have hammers or pickaxes or or anything. They walk around and then they they blow trumpets. Everybody's blowing a trumpet, aka you know a shofar, a ram's horn, and the walls come down in this miraculous event. Um, and no, you know, as the skeptics have tried to say that, oh well, with all of those trumpets together and they hit the right frequency, it would it would knock some it would knock some stuff down. You know, it would it could it could break rocks? No, it couldn't. <laughs> no, no number, not even the hugest number of trumpets could could do that. You know, you might be able to break, you know, a thin uh, a thin wine glass, you know, with with a certain frequency, but not the kind of rocks that they make into uh, walls of a city. Uh, there's no way that was a miracle. No two ways about it. Um, but what's more about this? So not only is the shofar, um, uh, a signal, uh, a symbol. Not only is the shofar a symbol of victory, um, but also I think it, it has something to say here that um, God is heard. So God listens, you know, and we talked about that in the burning bush theophany where God tells Moses, I've heard, you know, I've heard the cries of my people. Um I've heard them. Well, not only does God hear his people when they call to him, but his people hear him when he calls out to them. And in this instance, not only is he calling out to Moses using this, the sound of a trumpet, the sound of the ram's horn, but really he's calling to the entire community because uh, as we saw earlier, they were to be listening for the sound of a ram's horn. And when they heard it, they were to approach the mountain. They weren't to touch it. You know, they, they weren't to go beyond the bounds that they put around the mountain, but they were to, to draw close. Again, not, not that dissimilar to when God called to Moses at the burning bush and called him closer, but to remove his sandals. So I think a similar set of rules were, were given here. You know, this is holy ground, but they were told not to touch the mountain uh, Moses was able to approach the bush, but he had to remove his sandals. But it, but back to the subject of of God is heard from verse nineteen. He's heard, and he's victorious, and that, that's kind of two things that are communicated here by the sound of the trumpet. Another interesting fact about about those horns is that. Um, the sound of the shofar accompanied the Ark of the Covenant when it traveled. So not only did did the priests carry it, uh, but they also carried horns to kind of signal that it's coming, that it's approaching, that it, that it's in transit. And people weren't to touch the Ark either. So this this principle of don't we don't touch the things of God, um, and also this is a victorious God that we're worshiping um, carries through. Another interesting aspect, too, on top of that is the um, the fact in verse 20 
the Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain. And the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. God doesn't appear at the foot of the mountain. Uh, He doesn't appear halfway up the mountain. He's at the top of the mountain, the kind of place that not only were the people not instructed, the the people were instructed to not even touch the mountain, let alone climb it. Uh, in, In Mount Sinai would be a very difficult climb to get to the top. But the Lord is at the top of the mountain. It's his mountain. And in fact, there's there's a connection with God and mountains uh, throughout the scripture. In fact, there's several instances of the phrase, the mountain of the Lord throughout the Old Testament. So what's the deal with the mountains? Well, in this desert landscape, the mountains are the biggest thing around, and they're really obvious. There's no hiding a mountain. You know, it's it's sitting out there. You know, there aren't forests surrounding mountains that can diminish their size. There's nothing like that. It's just there's the mountain. And there's there's spiritual significance to the mountain because it's something that you can't conquer. Sure, you may be able to climb a mountain, and people climb mountains all the time. Granted, uh, mountains that... Most of them are going to be smaller than Mount Sinai. It's a pretty big mountain, but there are bigger mountains in the world that people have climbed. Uh, Mainly in our day, uh, it seems to be a challenge to to climb mountains. Why people would want to do that, I don't know. That's certainly nothing that tempts me. But um, the mountain is imposing. It's daunting. Um, It's intimidating. Uh, It's something that's other. Um, it's too high for us. You know, we're, we're used to living at ground level. Um, mountains are literally on another level. They're higher. And that makes them a good um, earthly metaphor for the, the holiness of God, the, the otherness, the fact that he is much more highly exalted than we are. He's our creator. So, if we think in those terms, it's actually really fitting that God would descend on a mountain, on Mount Sinai, uh, in order to to deliver this message. Um, we'll get, obviously, um, humility uh, from God. We're going to see the incarnation of Christ in the New Testament, where God actually does, <laughs> metaphorically speaking, does come down off the mountain and lives at ground level with us. You know, that's that's a huge part of the incarnation, why it's important to have the God-man. But at this moment, God's establishing his holiness, his um, transcendence, uh, the fact that he is so other from us. He's different. He's high. He's holy. But even in that, even... Uh, given how unapproachable he is in this uh, in this passage here. He does call one man to himself. He calls Moses. So the Lord descends to the top of the mountain in fire. Then he called Moses to the top of the mountain. So he calls him to do the difficult task of climbing Mount Sinai, to come up 
and be in the presence of God. And he's going to receive the law from, from God there and then bring it down to the people. And so Moses does go up. And that's where we see in verse 21, there's uh, instructions given to Moses that he's to go down and warn the people so they don't break through to the Lord to gaze and many of them perish. It wasn't for them to force their way up. Uh, it wasn't up to them. Uh, Aaron and his sons, they would have their time to approach, but it would be at God's invitation. Man doesn't have a right to break through and gawk at the things of God because I think that's what people would want to do. I could imagine that temptation, you know, this this big, what may look like a storm descends on the mountain. You know, that's kind of what we do when we see perhaps maybe a, a severe thunderstorm that may have a risk of a tornado. You know, I'm in Ohio, so this is, I'm speaking in, in an Ohio, a Midwestern way. But when we think there's a tornado coming, you know, we don't we don't stay inside where everybody says it's safe. We all run outside for some period of time to go look up at the sky and see if we can if we can figure out if there's a funnel cloud forming or not. And I think that same kind of curiosity would grip people uh, at the foot of the mountain here. I think they would want to. Some of them would want to get closer and try to investigate, to try to get some information or or uh, collect collect some enough uh, of, an, of an image in their mind to go back into the camp and gossip to the people that weren't brave enough to come out and try to approach the mountain. God's putting in a stop to that. He gave them rules ahead of time to not approach the mountain, don't touch the mountain. He only called Moses up at this time. Only Moses was to step on the mountain and, uh, and ascend. It wasn't for the people to try to break through and take that that nearness to God for themselves, for their own selfish purposes. They couldn't come up. And Moses, he doesn't remind God of this, but he restates it almost as to say, I know what you said and we, we obeyed. The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you warned us, saying, set bounds about the mountain and consecrate it. And so to, to Moses' credit, he did do that. You know, he... He had met with God previously. He took God seriously at his word, and he faithfully taught that to the people. He didn't come up with his own version to tell people. He gave people the instructions of God, and they followed it. That's a good thing. That's very good. That's what the Lord expects. Um, and the Lord says to him, Go down and come up again, you and Aaron with you, but do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord or he will break forth upon them. So God re reiterates that point. Uh, it's interesting here that God mentions you and Aaron with you. Do not let the priests and the people break through. At this point, the priests hadn't been officially named. Uh, God will give the instructions for Aaron and his sons, uh, as well as the Levites in the course of the law that he's to deliver. But the Lord obviously has in mind who the priests are going to be. Uh, he just, in, in the timeline of human history, he hadn't given that order yet to Moses. Uh, but he does want Aaron with Moses to come back up to the mountain because uh, there are instructions to give. And so Moses went down to the people and told them. Um, so the significance of this theophany... Uh, in my opinion, is tightly connected to the burning bush. Remember, 
The burning bush is what sets off the mission. God commissions Moses, sends him on the mission to free the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt. So then it's interesting that we get another theophany as we begin sort of the next chapter in the life of the people of Israel. A theophany uh, sent Moses on his mission to free them, uh, as God commissioned him to do. God is further commissioning him to take the law that God would deliver on the mountain and take it to the people and apply it. And these things are both done uh, using a theophany, God meeting with his people in, in a, uh, uh, in a uh, dramatic, um, an unforgettable, unmistakable form. First in a burning bush, now a burning mountain, basically, uh, at least or at least a smoking mountain. Okay, maybe the mountain wasn't completely on fire, um, but fire descended on the mountain, in, which would be the visible presence of God, uh, and then sent up smoke like a furnace. So totally unmistakable. Like I said, it's it wasn't a volcano; it was a mountain, and uh, God made it burn. So he, God has this unapproachable holiness. In 1 Timothy 6.16, uh, we're told that God dwells in unapproachable light, um, which is almost hard for us to conceive of because all the light that we can see, we can approach. So again, this is light on another level, uh, light, uncreated light, because that's the kind of light that we're used to is created light, either light from the sun or the moon or the stars or or fires uh, or, which is more in, time, in tune with our times, uh, electricity and light bulbs and things like that. Well, those are all approachable lights. Those are all created lights. Unapproachable light is the uncreated light of the holiness of God. It's something that would obliterate us. So God dwells in unapproachable light. And yet, again... An, another act of mercy, he uses approachable light, the kind of light that we can see with our eyes, to make this appearance on Mount Sinai. And again, it's not this is not the unapproachable light that he dwells in. And how do we know that? Because Moses was able to walk up to the mountain and meet with God and receive the law. So God took on approachable light even though he dwells in unapproachable light for the sake of giving his divine revelation to his people. So again, theophanies are a gracious thing. Yes, uh, this this one particularly is a pretty scary image. Uh, that's a very imposing and scary <laughs> image uh, to see this mountain completely covered in smoke having seen fire fall out of the sky onto it, onto the top of it, and fill it fill the area with smoke. It's pretty scary. That's not something you see every day. That's something you can't really prepare for. It just happens. Um, and the people had prepared as best as they could for it. God had given them notice. Yet another act of grace, uh, including the sound of the horn. When you hear the horn, then you can approach the mountain, but don't touch it. Stay within the boundary. So we're seeing grace all the way through this kind of scary story, this scary image. Um, 
again, it's it's like the saying about Aslan from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Is he safe? No, he's not safe, but he's good. This mountain, don't touch it. You know, the fury of the Lord will break out and, and obliterate you. But God is with you. You know, he is present on the mountain. Yes, he's high and glorious. You can't touch this place where he's uh, dwelling right now. But a time will come when people could touch the place where God <laughs> dwelt, namely in the person of Christ. You know, we look in the Gospels and we see lots of times where people touched Jesus or Jesus touched people. That time, that incarnational grace of Christ would come. But right now, God is proving to his people, inspiring the scripture to be written down by Moses of just how high and just how holy and how unapproachable he is, except when he makes himself approachable for the good of his people. A very, um, very humbling story. So I hope uh, as we look through this together, as we look at, as I've said multiple times, this scary image of God descending on this mountain and covering it with smoke coming down in fire, that it's all for the good of his people and for his glory that he makes himself approachable. And we know this deeply in our hearts uh, because he sent He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live as the God-man, to not only live a righteous life in which he touched uh, many, many people uh, and taught them he, he healed some, he ate many meals with, with his people, uh, but he would go and he would die on a cross in a horrible, brutal, terrible, dishonorable way, and yet he would take his life up again, and he would ascend uh, back to heaven to the right hand of the Father to be the mediator and advocate for his people. So it's uh, truly in Scripture, uh, grace upon grace through Christ. I hope that was helpful. I hope that was clear and understandable. Um, hope it wasn't confusing, but I do hope it, it was uh, challenging. And uh, I hope that in this series, this Theophany series, that uh, taking time to look at these kind of mysterious passages, uh, some of these more um, more extraordinary than others, this was a pretty extraordinary example. Um, I My prayer for everyone listening is that these would be encouraging and challenging and focused on the glory of God. So I hope that's true for you. Um, so drop us a line uh, if, if you're enjoying the, these, uh, these theophany stories, if, you're, uh, if you have questions or if you have comments or suggestions or recommendations, uh, you can find us on our website, guyswithbibles.com. Uh, you can find us on all sorts of social media, including the Facebook page and the Facebook group, which you should request to join, as well as go over and like the page as well. And then you should follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Guys with Bibles. And you can also email us directly at guyswbibles at gmail.com. And while you've got your, your internet out, <laughs> your internet surfing device, uh, you should go to uh, the link in the show notes for the Bar Network website, and you should just search all those podcasts and hit subscribe to all of them. I cannot, uh, I cannot recommend Bar Network podcasts high enough. Uh, 
Uh, it's an amazing group of podcasters who are dedicated to God's glory and the betterment of the church, as well as reaching the lost all through high-quality, well-produced, well-thought-out podcasting content. It's really amazing. We're so happy to be part of the network, and uh, we hope that you enjoy uh, a lot of the shows that are on the catalog. All right, thank you all so much. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.